Guild Singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. And boy, do we have a great episode today because we are talking about one of the most interesting aspects of the Cosmere universe. Yeah, one of the most fundamental and possibly complex. <laughs> Based on the research that we just got done doing, definitely complex. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but you guys are three episodes in now. You know how we roll. This is basically a research show. All spoilers, hashtags, because we're going to dive in real deep to romantic theory. Pronunciation? How am I doing? Yeah, that's how I say it. Romantic theory. Romantic theory. Because it has to do with the three realms and what? of the Cosmere. What, Brooke, are the three realms of the Cosmere? We have the physical realm, the cognitive realm, and the spiritual realm. And those three realms sort of are the structure of the entire Cosmere. Every single book, every single uh, thing that Brandon Sanderson creates in the Cosmere deals with these three realms. Physical, cognitive, and spiritual. Yep, those three things are always present. And because of the interaction between those three things, we see the magic systems that we've talked about, investiture throughout the Cosmere. We see the shards, which have aspects of all three, and that's referencing our episode last week about Adamalcium and the shards. Everything that is in the Cosmere involves these three realms. And we want to kind of pick out some different aspects, different quotes from these book series so we can best understand how these three realms work together and how the characters and the books kind of rely. Yeah, because they definitely all come into play. Um, in every book, and so I think it's kind of fun while you're reading to kind of be like, oh, maybe this is, you know, the effect of the cognitive realm, or maybe this is the effect of the spiritual realm, um, and it kind of gives you, like we've been saying, another dimension to the books while you're reading them. You kind of have this whole other way of looking at them, and it makes your experience more rich, I think. I agree. I guess that's why we started this podcast. That's why we're here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we should start with the one that is most similar to our own and our experience uh, that we have as physical beings. Let's start with the physical... I'm a physical girl, and I live in a physical world. <laughs> Let's talk about the physical realm. Okay, this is where all of the characters exist that we experience in the books. This is where the action is taking place that Brandon Sanderson is so known for as a writer. The physical realm is where it appears to all be happening. And we'll dive into how the, the cognitive and spiritual are just as important. But on the surface... We haven't seen as much of those ones yet. Exactly. And the physical is obviously the easiest to understand, just as, well, eh, yeah, our physical world is mostly easy to understand. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the physical realm is the natural world that characters experience with their senses in the same way that we experience our physical world. It consists of space and time. Uh, adheres to the laws of scientific theory. Yep. And behaves in many ways identical similar, or similar. Yeah, similar to our world. Similar to our world. So it's not a perfect uh, crossover, but... <laughs> because they have magic. <laughs> exactly. Uh, however, that magic system is still rooted in the physical properties yep. of the physical realm. Brooke, do you want to start us off just reminding everybody... Uh, let's go from the, the large scale of the Cosmere and then bring it down uh, and get a little bit more detailed. What is the physical appearance of the Cosmere? Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty similar to what we know of our own solar system, um, planets orbiting stars, um, and in terms of the Cosmere, all of those planets orbiting stars are part of a smaller cluster 
that's inside of a dwarf galaxy. Okay, so we have dwarf galaxy, uh, and that has several stars. Yep. Planets surrounding those stars are the home of our characters, home of these stories. Yeah, and we recently got a really good map of that cluster as well with the Arcanum Unbounded, which we can probably post that on our Facebook and possibly show notes. Show notes for we people can to check do. out. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Now, Brooke, there are some other aspects of this dwarf galaxy other than just the planets that are significant to mention and something that we've seen more of in the Arcanum Unbounded's new map. So could you tell us a little bit about some of the non-planets uh, <laughs> that are significant in the Cosmere? Yeah, just like our galaxy, the Cosmere galaxy has its own like astrological features, right, other than the star systems. So we have the star belt, which is described as an unusually unusually bright patch of stars in the sky of Threnody. Um, and we also see this patch of stars on Scadrial. So we can kind of infer from that that those planets are somewhat close together, um, which again, we can see on the map as well. Um, we also have Tal's Scar, which is described as a patch of red stars that can be seen from Roshar. And then also on Roshar, we have the Tear, which is sort of like the North Star almost. It's like a really, really particularly bright star that they see um, on Roshar. And they have some mythology surrounding that, just like we do here on Earth, um, that it is a single tear shed by Rhea in their mythology. And we don't really know anything more than that one little sentence about it. And so we have these astronomical features. We have the planets of the Cosmere. And let's zoom in a little bit more just to kind of understand the physical realm and, and maybe talk a little bit about investiture and magic. What is the way that in the physical realm these characters can kind of manipulate or interact uh, with their magic system and, and in the physical realm? Like what are some examples of stuff that goes on in this physical realm? Yeah, I mean, I think... Like we were saying, all investiture has a physical aspect. So, like, on Scadrial, obviously they're physically ingesting metal in order to perform the investiture. On Nalthus, they're manipulating color physically in their world mm -hmm. to create the magic. Um, on Rashar, I mean, Rashar is really interesting because they have things like high storms, which literally carry magic with it inside of the storm mm -hmm. and like invest their spheres and all of that stuff. And there's plenty of other big things happening there that we haven't necessarily seen yet. But like, spoiler alert, the Everstorm comes. It does. It is here. <laughs> oh God, it's here. It's going right now. We should just mention. Every once in a while when I'm just living my life, I just look up and I'm like, oh God, at this very moment on Rashar, the Everstorm is just, it's coming! I love how you think about Risharian events yeah. happening simultaneously to your own life. Just yeah, like, absolutely. Man, I wonder what Kaladin's doing right now. <laughs> Do you think Shallan is drawing? You know, Dalinar, he's so serious, but yeah. I hope things work out they're with him and like, the bunny. On, you know, an alternate timeline that's like parallel to ours, and I'm just like, they're there. Like, they're over there right now at this moment. And it, oh. The Everstorm. It all comes from... Causes me anxiety. Don't be anxious. Well, it's terrifying, to be honest. We all should be anxious. Uh, but the what I find so interesting about Brandon Sanderson's work is that he keeps his magic systems very tied to the physical world. Other authors... Yeah, they have a lot of rules and regulations. Like, they're not just doing things where are like, well, that doesn't really make sense, but it's magic. Like, he has a lot of reasoning behind every single thing that his characters do. I feel like especially in, like, Alley of Law, where you get into combining different powers and, like, how that works, it's all, like, very formulaic and well thought out and works with the physical environment. Um, or I also think uh, on Roshar, uh, we know now from the Arcanum Unbounded that they have a lower um, gravity, mm -hmm. 
lower pull of gravity on Rashar, which is why, like, shard plate kind of works because they don't have as much pull and why it's easier for, like, wind runners to fly and things like that. Yeah, and, and the manipulation of gravity is a repeated ability mm-hmm. that is, it's seen in different ways, but the basic idea on, for example, Rashar and with the class, or would you call them a, a group of windrunners? Order. An order. order Excellent. Yeah. Um, so with the order of windrunners, their ability to manipulate gravity is their key power. Um, to literally lash themselves and change the force of gravity. So instead of gravity pulling you directly down towards the planet's center, they lash themselves up. Yeah, they create different centers of gravity so they can make the table suddenly have a gravitational pull or, you know, gravity to be emanating from somewhere differently for a specific object. Absolutely. And this is seen in... Scadrial? Scadrial. Pushing and pulling? Absolutely, with pushing and pulling. Ooh, that's a great example, too, because like we were saying, everything has a lot of, you know, regulation and sort of the idea of what goes up must come down. With Allomancy, they're very big into that idea of you don't just take something, like, it goes the other way also. So if you push against this coin, there's all sorts of ramifications as to how big of a coin are you pushing on? How far are you trying to go? How much do you weigh? How much does this other person weigh? And that changes the way that the magic acts in the physical world. Absolutely. And and just to kind of understand that better, because it's a little uh, confusing, but the idea of like a coin, I push on the coin because I have investiture obviously i'm super cool like that uh but i push on the coin and the coin goes flying away from me that's not just because brandon sanderson says that the coin will do that it's because the power is competing with my own weight and when i push the coin is actually pushing off of my weight and projecting itself outwards if I were to try to push, for example, a train or some a piece of metal that was locked into place, the train outweighing me by quite a bit, I might be larger, but I'm not that large, people, uh, <laughs> the effect is going to be the reverse. I will go flying away instead of the object. And that's one of the elements of manipulation of the physical world that's so consistent Mm -hmm. in this universe that I find really grounding. Obviously, it's a story about magic, but (laughs) in a way that really kind of engages the mind and makes the story so interesting. Yeah. I feel like you can really participate in it more, whereas other magics, though I enjoy, you know, plenty of other fantasy writings, um... It asks you for that suspension of disbelief, right? Where you just go into it knowing, like, okay, I'm just gonna go along for the ride, right? And, like, I know, obviously, this is magic, something that's, like, not really real. And sometimes we assume different things just because, okay, magic. But with Brandon Sanderson's books, I feel like you can buy in a lot more and, like, really get invested and participate in the story um, because there are rules and the way that he manipulates those rules and like gets creative um, is really interesting and different. Absolutely. I think where I want to go next is the cognitive realm. Yeah. Because the cognitive realm is incredibly significant. So interesting. And pretty much every new story that comes out Especially since, did we say, like, Mistborn uh, Era 1 completing or maybe, like, Stormlight 1 when Brandon got real popular mm. and he kind of had the ability to start to writing? To do a lot more, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like basically every new book has really pulled back the layers of the cognitive realm. And as we see more and more about the cognitive realm, it really has become incredibly interesting to me yeah Uh, it's it's kind of like where it's a big player for sure not only like on the individual worlds we see Shadesmar and Roshar Mistborn Secret History obviously um but 
Dang it, I just... Oh, um, the 17th shard and Silverlight, obviously. Super important. Now, the Cognitive Realm, I have a quote for you. This is from yeah. Preservation in Mistborn Secret History. He's talking to Kelsier, uh, and this is what Preservation says about the Cognitive Realm. Quote, It's the world of the mind. Men, all things truly are like a ray of light. The floor is the physical realm, where the light pools. The sun is the spiritual realm, where it begins. This realm, the cognitive realm, is the space between where that beam stretches. Mmm, such a great description. Unbelievable, because <laughs> when you have that analogy in place, so much of the connection between the three realms begins to make sense. And before reading something like this, I don't know if I fully understood the role of the cognitive realm, the role of the spiritual Ooh, realm. Oh, that's interesting. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, I, I just think that the idea of light being emanating or projecting from this source, the sun, okay, that's the spiritual realm. And obviously we see, as light reflects off of objects or strikes the floor, uh, that's going to be the, the physical element. What's happening in between, both in the analogy and in the mm. cognitive realm, is really interesting and, and significant because the cognitive realm is basically a, I don't know, sometimes I, I see it as like, is it a journey from spiritual to physical? Oh, yeah. Is it a area where, or a place where, is it even a place? Like, I don't even know no, if it's calling it a place. No, it's not a place, okay, according me, to Yasna. <laughs> excellent. Tell me what Yasna says about uh, the cognitive realm, because... I want to know more. We're gonna we're gonna pull out some quotes uh, in the long form here. Can you tell us uh, what Yasna has to say about the cognitive realm? Yeah, absolutely. So Yasna says it's not truly a location, not as we usually think of them. Shadesmar, which end quote here is the Shadesmar is the portion of the cognitive realm in Roshar. Thank you. Shadesmar is here, all around us, right now. All things exist there in some forms, as all things exist here. Let's pause there, because that's super important. One, Shadesmar, cognitive realm. We'll try to keep it applying to the entire Cosmere. The cognitive realm is all around. And things that exist in the physical realm have a representation in the cognitive realm. They obviously will have a representation in the spiritual realm as well. You, go ahead. Sorry, I just had this thought of like the cognitive realm as almost like a like film or like tracing paper sort of that like overlays our physical world. So it's like always there, right? Just sort of out of reach almost. But then I think we see different things and processes that allow you to sort of slip like a ghost sort of like in between yeah. the two realms. Osmosis Jones yeah! right through <laughs> the different realms. Because in the cognitive realm, things, both people, souls, and the physical objects do not necessarily appear identical yes. to how they appear in the physical world. Do you want to continue that quote from Yasna? Um, let me see what we've got. Yeah, so she says, All around you, um, you see the physical world. You can touch it, see it, hear it. This is how your physical body experiences the world. Well, Shadesmar is the way that your cognitive self, your unconscious self, experiences the world. Through your hidden senses touching that realm, you make intuitive leaps in logic and you form hopes. It's likely through those extra senses that you, Shalon, create art. Beautiful. The world of the mind is what preservation calls it, and Yasna mimics that or reflects that when, it, when she says it's the world 
of the unconscious mind. The mental state of both objects and souls manifesting itself and experiencing through the cognitive realm. What are some of the things that can happen there? What's what's some of the stuff that goes on mm. in the cognitive realm? I mean, we don't know a ton about it, but we do know that there are different regions of the cognitive realm that correspond to the different worlds we can go to. So like I said earlier, um, Shadesmar is the cognitive realm on Roshar. We see a different version um, on Scadrial, etc. But also space is different in the cognitive realm. So rather than having to, you know, get in a spaceship and fly thousands of light years away to get to uh, Scadrial from Roshar, you can walk there in the cognitive realm. Um, and we see that through our world hoppers from the 17th shard, which we will talk about. Um, but yeah, so basically all of that empty space in between planets doesn't exist and it allows much easier travel in between worlds. So physical limitations are not really seen in the cognitive realm. Correct, yes. I think the idea is that there isn't anything in empty space. Nobody has thought of anything in those spaces. Why would so there... it doesn't exist in the cognitive realm because there's no thought there. Why would there be something in the cognitive realm where there are no thoughts? Exactly. It's it's there's no light uh, traveling through that that area. There's nothing to be lit up. There's no thoughts going on. Therefore, yep. there is no cognitive realm. Yeah. Or... So it just meshes all of the cognitive instances together into one long flat plane. I know. I want to go there. You can't see my face, but it's doing <laughs> amazing things. Basically, I mean, one of the things that we're doing right now is we are communicating through more cognitive realm than physical realm. Obviously, we're transcending time and space to bring you our voices into where you ever you happen to be and communicating ideas that are coming from our brains through our mouth into your brain exactly so like right now where we are partially playing in the cognitive realm true nice work <laughs> what are some more sort of like physical or you know physical in quotes aspects of the cognitive realm one of the things that I find most interesting is that from descriptions from people like Kelsier in Mistborn's Secret History about the way he, he's moving throughout the cognitive realm, it seems that the different states of matter are flip-flopped or kind of interchanging. So, for example, solid things, the ground beneath his feet, are not solid. They are actually um, portrayed more as a liquid or, or uh, with kind of a gaseous part thing coming off of it. So he's kind of waiting as he's walking on the ground. Uh, he, and when he begins to cross uh, rivers or eventually uh, kind of like a, a large ocean, um, it does not... Correspond with where there's an ocean... On Scadrial. <laughs> yeah, and, and when he's actually stepping into the ocean, he is stepping up onto an elevated, solid platform and then walking across that solid platform. So the liquid ocean is represented in the cognitive realm as a physical solid mass. So interesting. Don't even know why that happens. It's just Maybe an interesting thing to know. Maybe because you think of the ocean as like a whole. It's the ocean. You're not thinking of like each individual wave. And so it doesn't manifest that way. Interesting. That's I literally just thought of that. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> I have. I literally have no idea, but that's a good enough explanation. Brandon, you you're welcome to... Yeah. Just for the record, Brandon's a huge fan of the pod. Obviously. Uh, a friend of the pod forever. The... And I, well, okay, and let's say that we don't know that all regions of the cognitive realm act the same way. So far, this is pretty much what we've seen, both in Mistborn's Secret History and in uh, Shadesmar. 
when Shalon and Yasna have gone there, we've seen that ground becomes ocean, water becomes land, um, it does this sort of flip-floppy thing, but like Shadesmar, we see all of those like glass beads that are the thoughts of things, and we have Spren living there. So dive into that a little bit more. When when you say the glass beads, just oh man, explain it's like that better. So difficult to explain. I feel like from what we understand, when Shalon goes to Shadesmar, she sees uh, like an ocean of these little glass beads that are black or dark, um, and when she touches them she gets an impression of what that is. So she might pick up one bead and it sort of tells her cognitively in her mind, I'm a cup or I'm a house or I'm a boat. Um, and it'll be just this one little bead that's sort of housing that whole identity. Um, and then since she's a surge binder, she's able to do things with that. And in Mistborn's Secret History, when Kelsier is moving through the cognitive realm, it doesn't appear identical as little uh, beads, glass beads. Instead, all physical objects appear as mist. And when he touches the mist, it's kind of like softly in the form. So like he can walk up to a house and he can kind of tell that it's a house because it's like softly in the form of a house. It's but like it's a cloud house. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. It's a mist house. Uh, and he walks up and touches it. And when he touches it, it in his mind, he gets a vision of the solid object in the physical realm. And one of the interesting things about the cognitive realm is that you can see cognitive ideas. You can see the physical. We just talked about that, the glass bead, the mist. Mm -hmm. And you can also see the spiritual in the cognitive realm. What I mean by this is that souls, people's souls in the cognitive realm appear to glow. And I believe on Rashar's Shademar, or in Rashar's Shademar, the souls glow like a flame or, or with yeah. the intensity of a flame. Is Shalon says that they look like little candles sort of like floating in the air for all the people around her incredibly interesting uh one of the unique aspects of scadrio where mistborn takes place is that there's a tie between metal and souls there's something spiritual about metals they're obviously heavy invested with magic we know that because the magic system relies on metals and burning metals uh, but the when we go into the cognitive realm, Kelsier says metal and souls are the same thing he observed. Who would have ever thought? Metals and the souls both glow in his experience of the cognitive realm. I'm not 100% sure why that is, but it does give us a hint that metal, at least on Scadrial, is somehow also connected to the spiritual realm. Yeah, probably. I mean, because I think I think that's probably a good guess because souls are obviously connected to the physical or uh, spiritual realm and they glow. Um, we know that all investiture glows in the cognitive realm and that is also coming from the spiritual. Oh, interesting. So, so if, for example, Kaladin or Shallan took a bag of glowing spheres into the cognitive realm they wouldn't be able to use their abilities but you think that and, and you're pretty sure that the bag of spheres would glow yeah it should absolutely if they're invested yeah i would imagine even like if shallan or kaladin were to breathe in and invest themselves with stormlight right so like if kaladin is um, invested with Stormlight flying around or whatever, he would probably also show up like super bright glowing in Shadesmar. And just f for the record, um, there are certain characters that can enter into the cognitive realm. Some that can even travel through the cognitive realm. Yeah! And one of the 
or when good a call yeah, yeah let's talk about traveling through because we know of several different groups of people that are able to enter the cognitive realm and travel through it um i guess first i would say the ones that we see are the world hoppers who are characters from different places including our friend hoyd we should probably actually introduce hoyd because i think we've referenced him in the last couple episodes but we haven't actually talked about him very much and said who he is let's be honest in the future we're gonna do an entire episode we are but we should just briefly state that hoyd is a crossover character that we see in different aspects in all of the books though he shows up everywhere he is everywhere if you have not uh, especially read stormlight archive hoyd is primarily introduced in that series and he, he gives a lot more of his own backstory and kind of motivations in the Stormlight Archive. He is a key to understanding the bigger picture of the Cosmere. Yeah, he is a big thing that ties everything together. And I would say the one other thing you really need to know about Hoyt is just that he was present at the shattering of Adenalsium. He is one of the people who does not pick up one of the shards. He is not right. a one of the 16 shards, but he was there and so. is the world's, as, as far as we know, he's the first world hopper. Dude has seen it all. He's hopping around different worlds, watching different events happen, maybe nudging them in different directions. Yeah, I think as the books go on, we're really seeing him influence things a lot more. Um... So we have him as one of the world hoppers, and one way that these world hoppers can enter into the cognitive realm is through something called perpendicularities. Perpendicularities. That's a fun word to say. What is a perpendicularity? It is kind of like a wormhole almost. It's like places that go in between the two realms. And for the most part, I don't know if we've seen any that don't fit this profile. We see them as pools, which I think we've been calling them on the internet shard pools. Yes. Um, so like there's a pond in Elantris mm-hmm. where they can uh, cross over we hear a, a body of water referenced in the Horn Eater Peaks yes. um, on Rashar. And it's very, like, secretive. Yes. Rock drops the hint, yeah. and then he immediately backs away from it, like, oh, I wasn't supposed to tell it's you that. It's such a good moment. Yes, because, again, it's one of, for the super nerds, when you're just like, Cosmere stuff, Cosmere yeah, stuff, like, Cosmere oh stuff. Oh my god! I know! Um, but then also, we see on uh, Scadrial, obviously, the, um, what is it called? Well of Ascension. Thank you. The Well of Ascension is a perpendicularity. The Well of Ascension on Scadrial is the location that preservation traps ruin. And it is a hugely significant aspect of Mistborn Era 1 and Mistborn Secret History one of the key parts of Mistborn's secret history happens as Kelsier is literally trapped like Ruin at the Well of Ascension, and he gets a visit from our friend Hoyd. If you would join me, here is another <laughs> quote from Mistborn's secret history. Describing what Kelsier sees as Hoyd arrives through the Well of Ascension. Quote, Wait, no, he wasn't sitting on the floor, but on an object that somehow seemed to be floating upon the mist. The white, log-like object sank halfway into the mist of the floor and rocked like a ship on the water, bobbing in place. The rod in the man's hand was a short oar, and his other leg, the one that wasn't up, rested over the side of the log and vanished into the misty ground, visible only as an obscured silhouette. End quote. Now, what this is describing is Hoyd literally riding the dead soul or mind of a entity, of a, of a being, a creature, 
through the cognitive realm like a canoe like a almost gondola yeah exactly <laughs> i mean it, it sounds like he is literally like uh on the shoulders of this cognitive shadow and he is rowing through the mist so into the well or out of the well of ascension because hoyt is coming from a different part of the cognitive realm he's arrived at this perpendicularity the well of ascension and is going to exit out of the well of ascension exit out of the cognitive realm into the physical realm so that he can steal something there one of the things that this is telling us about perpendicularities is one that there are some dangers to traveling through the cognitive realm. Mm. It might be possible to get lost, lose Ooh. your mind in the cognitive realm. There's a connection that is made to people who are insane or oh, gone yeah. mad yeah, yeah. in the cognitive realm. So it's it's there's some danger for Hoyd, who's a physical being, not uh, or you know, he exists as spiritual, cognitive and physical, where Kelsier at this point is only cognitive and probably spiritual. Uh, but there's some danger to the physical body of Hoyd. And so yeah. he's using this... Uh, well, I think we even see that um, on Rashar when Shalon is... Um, Experimenting? What do you call it? Yeah, but what's the name? Soul casting. Soul casting. Um, she... to In order to soul cast, she kind of has to slip in between the worlds... And this kind of brings us to our, our other group of people who can travel through the cognitive realm. Um, but let me finish this first. She has to slip between the realms in order to soul cast. And Pattern, her friend, says, like, mm, this is dangerous. And even I think Yasna says, like, it's really dangerous to try to move in between these two worlds. Like, don't do it without proper training and proper knowledge. So I think you're totally right. It's dangerous. Should we talk about the Knights Radiant Orders that have the power to travel? Because that is the other group. You have Hoyd, and we don't really understand why precisely he's able to world hop. So we but... have Hoyd and the 17th Shard. Yes. The se so we have 16 Shards of Adenalsium. The 17th Shard is a group of people who have named themselves as such... Um, and they're kind of those people who are in the know about the Cosmere, who have figured out how to manipulate the properties of the Cosmere to travel um, across the cognitive realm. So Hoyd is the 17th shard, right? He founded this group? Nope. Ooh. Hoyd is separate from the 17th shard. He's another shard. thing. The 17th shard is looking for Hoyd. We see that in um, Way of Kings. We have a few characters that we've seen in previous books who have, you know... In, in the time since we've seen them um, come across some new powers and they are searching. They are searching across the cognitive realm, going to different worlds, looking for Hoyd. But the 17th Shard, I believe, is headed by Chris, okay. who is our resident Cosmere scholar. Yes. Um, Chris and us <laughs> would get along just fine. Yeah, yeah, we love Chris. <laughs> she tells us everything we need to know. <laughs> so the 17th Shard are world hoppers, able yep. to move around. Yep. Hoyt is a world hopper. Yep. And we have some of the Orders of Night Radiant who can also travel through the cognitive realm. Yeah, so by virtue of the investiture that they have through their Nahel, Nahel, Nahel bond. bond. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we have a couple of orders of knights radiant who can move into the cognitive realm by virtue of their investiture. And that would be Shalon as a light weaver and Yasna as an else caller. They share the surge of transformation, which means they can both soul cast. And so those orders of Knights Radiant um, are able to access the cognitive realm basically whenever they want. So they don't have to go through a perpendicularity in order to get there. So when Yasna, and this will be explained more in Oathbringer. We hope. Which, let's just be honest, if you are listening on schedule as we release, as the true fans do, I believe that Oathbringer is out in like a week. It's going to be out on November 14th, I believe it is. November 14th is the release date of Oathbringer. So if you 
are listening before that, plan ahead. Pre-order! And if you have are listening to this after November 14th... By now! Exactly. We have Yasna, who is able to transform in Shadesmar by manipulating those glass beads that you talked about. Shallan is also able to do this, but Shallan is not actually able to move through Shadesmar, move through the cognitive We believe, yeah. Because the power that would allow one to move through Shadesmar is transportation. Yasna has both transportation and transformation. Right, so she can soul cast and what will look on the physical world like teleporting. Yes. I mean, we're using these other words, but Yasna is a teleporter. (laughs) She is Nightcrawler from the X-Men universe. She pops in and out of Because, like, we know that she's going into cognitive realm and traveling and then, like, going back into mm-hmm. the physical world. But if you're just, like, a person on the physical world, like, looking at Yasna, it looks like she just disappears and then reappears somewhere else. Yes. And this is seen at the end of Words of Radiance with the power of transportation. We assume that the only thing she needs to give up in order to transport is a lot of stormlight. We don't know of any, um, like, danger in the same way that Hoyt is facing. Yeah, I would say that's true because she innately has the ability. She's not manipulating as many things to get there. The other order of Knights Radiant that is able to transport themselves are the Will Shapers, who we know basically nothing about. None of the major characters are Will Shapers. We just know that uh, will shapers share, they share the that surge yeah. yeah so you would assume they would be able to do a similar thing. Yes. yeah they can also teleport so we have some characters who are part of the knight's radiance who can literally teleport by using uh the cognitive realm we have some characters who have to use perpendicularities in order to travel through the cognitive realm mm-hmm and then we also have some people who, well, people and things, I guess, that live in the cognitive realm. What's something that lives in the cognitive realm? Well, in Rashar, we know that Spren oh. all live in the cognitive realm. Absolutely. And we mentioned this earlier, but things in the cognitive realm do not necessarily appear the same in the physical realm. And the best example of this is Shallan's spren who goes by the name of pattern because in the physical realm he appears as a infinitely intricate pattern yeah a kind of twirling mass of lines and angles angles exactly and it's incredibly complex exactly shallan says that she often can just stare into pattern for hours because it's like always changing always different just there's always something new to see yes and in the physical realm pattern often literally looks like a pattern on a yeah she describes him as like an embossing or something like that it shows up on a book and it looks like an embossed cover Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like on her dress he'll Mm -hmm. blend in often and just kind of hang out there as a pattern on her dress but in the physical realm he or excuse in the me, cognitive realm. Yes, in the cognitive realm, pattern and all spren of his type actually have a a body. A body and yeah. their head and face is that is the infinitely intricate <laughs> so pattern. Weird. So and it's creepy uh, for Shallan when she figures this out in Way of Kings. It's it's terrifying when she sees these creatures. She feels like they're haunting her when in fact they are with her. Uh, to help her and yeah. aid her, she feels like they are uh, a freaky thing that is well, tracking her down. Well, even she like finally figures it out when she goes there to soul cast, and she's with Pattern obviously in the physical realm, and she gets there and she's like, "Oh my god, he's like so much bigger in the cognitive realm." Yeah. And then also there are uh, spren flying around her, which in the physical realm, you know, look like these little tiny things like swirling around her head and in the cognitive realm they look like these gigantic birds like yes 
They're like creatures. Yeah, so it's like a huge difference from one to the other. So we see, you know, if sort of the majority of the spren is housed in the cognitive realm, we only see like a little shadow of it in the physical realm that just could sort of leaks through. And one of my favorite characters, as well as just quotes, um, comes from Syl, who is the spren of Kaladin. Uh, on page 130 of Words of Radiance, Syl says when Kaladin asks her about why things don't line up in the physical realm and the cognitive realm, Syl says, we have to be consistent. She said, leaning in conspiratorially or we'll break your brains. <laughs> Syl's a little bit of a prankster and she she's giving a hint at what we just mentioned, the things in the cognitive realm are not the same as they are in the physical realm. In large part, it seems like that's to not freak out or, or break the physical realm. They obviously choose their own image or kind of are created in the cognitive realm in one image, and then they appear differently in the physical realm. Well, and I think also there's there's a lot of variation right so i think there are some things on the phys- in the physical realm that are more or less also a part of the cognitive realm mm-hmm. um and so i think the same is true for spren some spren like are really mostly in the cognitive realm they only have a very very small presence in the physical realm but with spren who are bonding to a human like sill they sort of come closer and closer into focus in the physical realm. That's a good way to look at it, a camera coming into focus. It's super blurry, and then as they start to bond, uh, as they, they bring themselves more into the physical realm, it's like coming into focus. Yeah, they like solidify a little bit more. Can I just read a quick quote about what spren are? Yes. Great. Um, so Yasna says, what are spren? And Shalon says, they're living ideas. And Yasin really likes this idea. And uh, Shalon goes on to say, By my best guess, spren are elements of the cognitive realm that have leaked into the physical world. They're concepts that have gained a fragment of sentience, perhaps because of human intervention. Interesting. And we mention this also as a aspect of the shattering, even before the shattering of ad mm-hmm. that sentience is seen in the cognitive realm with spren in the same way that it's seen in the physical realm with humans like Mm. they they shouldn't be given a level of hierarchy where like humans are better than like i i believe they're the same thing sentience is the key link spren are sentient creatures Mm -hmm. that live in the cognitive realm where humans are sentient creatures that live in the physical realm. Yeah, that's a cool uh, parallel to make. Um, And then in regards to Shadesmar, Yasna also says, Spren are the ideas of collective human experience that have somehow come alive. Shadesmar is where this first happens, and it is their place, meaning the Spren's place. Although we created it, they shaped it, they live there, they rule there within their own cities. And actually giving me or leaving out the idea that spren have cities where they're living (laughs) we know that pattern and his spren are the rulers yeah they're like one of the like sort of noble houses if you will of (laughs) shadesmar and that's actually a good way to reference it as noble houses because they're like little factions just like in skadriel and mistborn these noble houses don't always agree. They, they're they fighting against one another. And it seems like one of the fights, we don't necessarily know exactly why, but we can kind of guess, one of the fights is between Pattern Spren and the Honor Spren. Yep, Sil. the Cryptics yes. and the Honor Spren. Cryptics and Honor Spren. And obviously the main reason why is because they are on... They're opposites. They're, o- they're opposites. Cryptics like lies. Love, illusion. Yes. Illusion. Illusions and lies. While honor spren are all about promises and uh, holding to your word. 
We could probably talk about the cognitive realm forever. Yeah, we could. I feel like there's still more things we haven't even said. But we have a whole other realm to talk about. We've got to get to realm number three, which is the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is where you're going to find the souls or the essences of people, objects, and ideas. And we hear from Sazed, he he kind of describes it as the unseen energy that permeates all of the world. Or, as we heard earlier, this is the sun, the source of all... Everything. Everything. Souls, (laughs) essence, peoples, objects, unseen energy, it is the source of everything, is the spiritual realm. We also know, or at least pretty sure that the shard's power comes from the spiritual realm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we know that most of the shards exist mainly in the spiritual realm. So like we talked about, humans mainly exist physical. Spren mainly exists cognitive. Shards mainly exist in the spiritual realm. Yes, and as we talked about last week, The shards have elements that tie them to each of the realms. Their power is based in the spiritual realms, but they they were physical bodies as well Mm -hmm. at the shattering. And it seems like one of Odium's plan is to destroy the physical and cognitive realms, possibly to take the power from the spiritual realm. We don't know that 100%. But, like, for example, attacking... The physical manifestation of a shard is easier than attacking the spiritual manifestation of a shard. Yeah, and I think, wouldn't that also inhibit the ability of the spiritual power to reach the physical realm, essentially? Um, That's really seen in Mistborn's secret history as preservation is dying. His power is, he, and he mentions this, he's not as effective anymore because he is not existing in all three realms as he once was. Okay. One of the interesting aspects, so let's just say off the top, we know the most about the physical and the cognitive realms and the least about the spiritual realms. Yeah. But one of the things that we do know is that some characters and some powers of investiture allow access or pull power from the spiritual realm. Yeah, I mean, I think all investiture in some way or another pulls power from the spiritual realm. Like, Mm -hmm. that's basically what investiture and magic is, right? Mm -hmm. It's like sort of the ability of humans to become a god in just a tiny little bit. Exactly. Which is cool. Um, But then one specific instance that we have that we have as word of Brandon is uh, Elend in Mistborn. When he burns Atium and Duralumin at the same time, it pulls most of him into the spiritual realm. I thought that was really interesting. It is really interesting because Atium gives the user, just normal burning of Atium, gives the user the ability to see the future. And in fact, like Preservation describes, uh, gives infinite possibilities right yeah it shows you all the possible outcomes and burning duralumin magnifies the power of what other metal you are burning so it's like a super burning of atium yeah it's a power up brings elend mainly or most of him into the spiritual realm i wonder if that's because he is close to being omniscient sort of in a way in that moment which Mm -hmm. is the prerogative of the divine, right? Yes. I mean, it is one of preservation's powers that Kelsier also unlocks, or not unlocks, but it has when he holds the power of preservation, which is the spiritual power. Uh, preservation's body dies. Preservation's cognitive self dies. All that's left is the power of preservation. Kelsier is able to hold that for a little while, and when he can, he has the experience of like always being on ATM, um, mm-hmm. always being powered up, able to see the, the infinite number of futures. 
Let's talk about a person's kind of soul or their spiritual aspect as a spirit web. Ah, spirit web. I think this is one of the most interesting concepts of the Cosmere. And the way I think about a spirit web is kind of like what we would think of as a soul or their spiritual aspect. They also, it's also been said to be close to something like a spiritual DNA and that your spirit web depends on um, what shard world you're on. And it's kind of your blueprint as to what investiture you can use. So like if you're, you know, born as an allomancer or what kind of surge binder you're going to be, that's all sort of programmed into your spirit web. It can be physically thought of as a web connecting specific points in the body, somewhat similar to the Hindu concept of chakras, where you have these kind of pools of energy throughout the body, and it's important to you know clear the chakras, as Avatar Aang learns, <laughs> and all Hindus. Or like if you think about the philosophy behind acupuncture, like that there are specific points in the body that house specific things. We see that um, on Scadrial with hemallergy, um, where putting a spike in a specific place, not only the metal you use for the spike, but the place you put it affects how the power is given, how it affects a person. How much power they have. Yeah, exactly. So we definitely see that there is a um, physical aspect or significance to investiture and your spirit web. So each person has a spirit web, but they're also connected to the larger spirit web that might be both reflective of the shard world that they are on, the power of the shard, and also the the Cosmere as a whole. One of the things that happens towards the end of Mistborn Secret History, Preservation dies, and one of his last ounces of power, one of his last acts as dying, casts a spirit web across the entire planet to protect it from ruin. It is not enough, obviously, but it's his kind of last effort to kind of cast his power out, and where that power lands is in the form of a a web around the planet. What is so unique about this is that Kelsier actually has the experience of tapping in to that spirit web and allowing him to understand a language that he does not speak. Specifically, it's from the people of the Eyrie, the mm-hmm. Eerie. Yeah, who, I think of Eyrie. Yeah, who are either from Cell or Threnody. Not 100% certain on that, but... Tapping into the spirit web eliminated any difference in the physical realm of not being able to understand. Oh, it's like the threads that bond us all together. That's exactly what it is. As a society and like a country and a world. And a universe. And and a a universe. (laughs) One of the aspects that we see spirit webs in Mistborn Era 2 is through the power of connection. This is what Kelsier is tapping into to Mm, give him the ability to hear this other language is connection between himself and these people. Even though they're speaking a different language, they're still connected. Connection with a capital C, it connects you, it connects all three realms, right? Is that Am I correct in thinking that? Absolutely. Okay. I think that there is, yeah, connection with a capital C, which is the power of connection. Uh-huh. And that's uh, available to Alamancers. Got it. There is the connection, lowercase c, between all people through s- the spirit webs. Mm. So, like, everybody is connected through spirit webs. You have your own little spirit web, but then that spirit web ties, you know, to me as mm-hmm. well. And Alamancers who have the ability to unlock capital C connection as a power use the spirit web to connect themselves to other beings on a moment's notice. 
How do we see this play out in Mistborn Era 2? Oh, well, in Mistborn Era 2, we see the little medallions, which allow um, Wax and Wayne to communicate with the person from the southern country that we haven't really seen yet speaks a different language, but by wearing these medallions that um, have connections stored in them, Mm -hmm. they're able to speak to each other. Now, is that the metal, not to put you on the spot, but is that the metal Nicrosil that stores investiture? Yes, Nicrosil stores investiture. Do we know? Duralumin stores connection. Excellent. Yeah. So the medallions are made out of two different metals yep. always necrosil because that's yep. investiture yep. and then whatever power you want to unlock if you want to communicate that is duralumin if you want to stay warm you need a different metal necrosil and the metal that stores heat mm-hmm. this is hinting and is the beginning of of understanding how Mistborn Era 3 and Mistborn Era 4 are going to play out because these people from the south of the main characters have discovered a way to harness investiture and give it to people who are not Allomancers. Yeah, so they're creating this society that is not divided into people who are Allomancers or not Allomancers. it's going to be readily available for everyone. And they're also using it to create technologies. Yes. We see, which is so interesting to see how they're using magic to create technology. And that is probably one of the things that I'm most excited about is to see how the system that started as magic of pushing and pulling on a coin or a piece of metal is, go- into flying. is going to turn into not just flying, but Brandon has even hinted at space travel. Oh yeah, we already know there's for sure going to be space travel. So there's going to be space travel that is based on this magic system that we see introduced in the very first book of Mistborn, which was like in 2008, 2007 or something, that is going to be turned into the power of space travel. Super cool. Incredibly cool. And the reason that that happens is because of the connection between the three realms and the capital C connection that allows you to access this spirit web. One more thing I'd like to mention about spirit webs that I think is really interesting is on Rashar, it seems as though... The ability to surge bind and that Nahel bond is the result of the spren basically like attaching to your spirit web in some way. So, and, and then going back to this concept that you mentioned briefly earlier of like insane people being closer Mm -hmm. to the cognitive realm. Um, I was, I'm doing a reread of Words of Radiance right now. Preparing (laughs) Um, for Oathbringer. Prepping, doing my homework. Um, and Pattern mentions to Shallan, you didn't break, you just cracked. So, like, the broken ones would be, like, people who go insane. Mm-hmm. She just cracked a little bit, which allowed this little space in her spirit web for a spren to, like, attach. That is so interesting. And yeah. begins to hint at, at something that is seen in almost all the main characters of Brandon's universe, which is this idea of of breaking, of cracking, I guess to stay with your analogy, of cracking in some way. Physically, being beaten is one of the ways that Mm, um, elementals are unlocked. Um, Cognitively, there's ways uh, of cracking, and spiritually, ways of cracking the spirit web, and then the and that, spren. like, gives you, like, a little window that lets the investiture, like, get in, kind of. Yes. <laughs> so it's almost, it, like, makes you feel good about being a little cracked, right? Like, we all have our flaws, but, yeah. like, this is what allows you to be magic. Exactly. <laughs> it is, in some ways, the the weakness that allows these characters to be strong. Such a beautiful analogy. It really is. There are so many other things that we could talk about in the romantic theory, but this has been a real nice episode 
want to thank everybody for staying with us. You can talk to us at Cosmere Convo on Twitter or find us on the Reddit. Or Facebook. We have a Facebook page as well. Got a couple of fans going strong at the Facebook page. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. Thank you.